Amen. Please rise as we hear a word of the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 19 to 22, page two in the bulletin. If you want to just look in the bulletin, this is a commandment from the spirit through the apostle Paul. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Amen. Please be seated. This is a part two of last uh, month's sermon, and this sermon is titled, How to Keep from Quenching the Holy Spirit. We have heard uh, this morning about the upcoming in that day, well, in that day in Matthew, the upcoming crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And after that crucifixion, what happens we know if we love the Lord Jesus Christ and we love the gospel and we are well rehearsed of it, we know that he, ascend, he was resurrected. And then after that, he ascended to the Heavenly Father at his right hand. And after that, what did he do? He gave the Holy Spirit among the church. And, we receive, and what we see is a whole plethora of many believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that are coming loving the gospel. This church right here that we are looking at and we have been discussing, I don't know, for maybe about a year now, <laughs> the, the, this church that is in Thessalonica is one of the recipients of the grace of the Holy Spirit being poured out because the Lord Jesus has ascended. And this is a great church. They're a young church, but they are believing in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the, as we have been discussing the, the last few sections in the final chapter in this first letter to this church in Thessalonica, we see the Apostle Paul is warning, warning them and exhorting them and encouraging them to continue to, in the faith, to continue to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to continue to trust in the Holy, Holy Spirit, to guide them and to sanctify them more and more. And that's what this is all about as well. Apostle Paul knew the Old Testament scriptures. He knew what can happen within the church. And one of these things that does happen within God's people is that at times, at times, God's people quench the Holy Spirit's ministry. And at times, God's people do. The way they quench the Holy Spirit is by despising Prophecy, despising prophecy and not having good discernment. And the Apostle Paul is warning this church, this young church, of what's to come and what, the, and what they need to be watchful for. Understand that this, this epistle uh, of 1 Thessalonians and even 2 Thessalonians doesn't have an explicit Old Testament reference. But the, the understanding of the Old Testament, which I will show you tonight, um, helps us to understand what, why the Apostle Paul has given him this warning. And so that's the title, and that's the introduction, How to Keep from Quenching uh, the Holy Spirit, and this is part two. Um, I don't know the reason why uh, the, the, the teaching, 
the summary, the teaching summary, and the points are not in the bulletin. That might be my fault. Um, but the teaching that we have before us is that you must never, never quench the Holy Spirit. Especially, you must never, but you must never quench the Holy Spirit. Especially by despising the Lord's teaching at the hands of His messengers. And you must always exercise good discernment and abstain from every evil. We will see this in two points. Point number one, question, Christians quench the Holy Spirit by despising the Lord's prophets and their message. And point number two, Christians quench the Holy Spirit by not exercising discernment and abstaining from evil. So point number one, Christians quench the Holy Spirit by despising the Lord's prophets and their message. We need to recap over what we realized and what we considered last sermon. The recap is that the Holy Spirit, and not the Holy Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit is God. He is, he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He knows all things. And therefore, it's not the Holy Spirit himself that is quenched. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so this is a rare verb that is used within the New Testament. This rare verb, mean, this rare verb means to quench. It means to pour water on, to extinguish. And often as you look throughout the scriptures where the Holy Spirit is being poured out, the Holy Spirit's ministry is linked with fire. John the Baptist said it in Matthew chapter 3. Uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 11 mentions it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 through 7 mentions it. And even in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, they spoke with tongues of fire. Fire represents judgment, and it also represents purifying. And so that is why the Holy Spirit is linked uh, with fire. So what is the Apostle Paul, the summary of what he wants us to do here? The summary is the Apostle Paul forbids deliberately suppressing the Holy Spirit and his works. I repeat that, deliberately suppressing the Holy Spirit and his works, especially, especially prophecy. Now, we know the Spirit is sovereign, and even in the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit, even the quenching itself, the Holy Spirit is sovereign over that. But this is something that we all have to be watchful for. And why so? Because we have been given the Holy Spirit if you are believers. And you believe and you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your destiny is already determined. You are going to a place where every, everybody wants to go. And then there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. A new heavens and a new earth. And you, your destiny is set but you need to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit right now in your lives. And what, it, what is the ministry of this Holy Spirit? He enlightens you. He quickens you. Makes you alive. Makes you love the word of God. He sanctifies you. And also, he comforts you. So what happens when you grieve the Holy Spirit and you quench the Holy Spirit? This ministry of the Holy Spirit diminishes in your life. 
So those who by sloth or carnal security or worldliness can diminish these operations from the Holy Spirit. Now grace will not depart from all of you who believe, who truly believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace will not depart from you, yet it will be abated. But for all those who are actually hypocrites, they may be online, there might be some sitting in this room. The Holy Spirit can be taken from you, the operations, the operations of the Holy Spirit, which is the quickening, the, the sanctifying, the comforting, even the gifts of the Holy Spirit that can be given to even an unbeliever. I mean, Saul had gifts, right? Saul had gifts, and it was taken away from him. He never really trusted in the Lord. And so that is a, an example. So for all those who are unregenerate, the operations, these operations can be totally lost. And there is the damnation for all those who are not regenerate. Now, we're going to look specifically at despising prophecy today. There are many things that we looked at last month, and I, and I urge you and encourage you to remember those things and remember those things that we normally do that can quench the Holy Spirit. But Apostle Paul is looking at this now of despising prophecy. Despising prophecy is the chiefest way to quench the Holy Spirit. And so despising prophecy, this word despise is a very strong word that we are looking at here. It is a strong word. It means to show by one's attitude or action that something has no worth or merit. Something has no worth or merit. It means to disdain it. Disdain the prophecy that is uh, given. And right here, it could be more by way of action. I mean, there's so many examples of, of, the, of the way the, the Lord allows this to happen in, in so many areas. But even as this church was founded, this church was founded in the midst of people despising prophecy. Acts 17, this church, this, this city, it was the, the, the Apostle Paul was preaching the gospel to them. And the Jews who had the scriptures, they loved the scriptures. They had the scriptures. What did they do when they heard that, that, that preaching? They despised it. But not these Gentile, just these Gentile Christians. These Gentile Christians believed it and trusted in it, trusted in it. And so it's more by a way of action. You just, you're angry towards it. You don't believe it. You reject it. And that's, not, is that not what we see what's happening in Matthew right now? That's exactly what we are seeing. Now, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of prophecy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9-11, to Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the, gra the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So yes, this is the spirit. The spirit is the spirit of prophecy. And the same spirit gives gifts. And one of the gifts that is poured out upon his church is the gift of prophecy. Check 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
That's one of the gifts that are of the Spirit, the gift of prophecy. Now, the Spirit led all those prophets into previously hidden truths. So Ephesians chapter 3, verses 3 to 5, how the mystery, look at what Apostle Paul uses the word, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, by the Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 13, he, uh, Jesus told the apostles this, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, but he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And so the Spirit directs the words of prophecy. You see that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 21. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you do well to pay attention. Pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy, no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit speaks through the prophets, the prophets that you read, the, the, the prophets, the prophets, even the Lord Jesus Christ and even the apostles. All these prophecies that you read in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks through each and every one of them. Now, despising prophecy, going back to this, despising prophecy is a common reoccurrence amongst God's people in the Bible. I will show you and prove you to you. In the beginning, Adam and the woman. God gave a prophecy to Adam and the woman. She wasn't Eve yet. <laughs> she wasn't Eve yet, but God, God gave the prophecy to Adam and the woman that if you eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And what happens? They intervene, they interfere, they intervene with the serpent, and the serpent gives the first question ever recorded in history. Did God really say? And they took heed of what the serpent said. Eve was deceived, and she gave to Adam. And now we are in the things that we experience today, the fallen world, the things that we have been praying over in this prayer meeting, in the prayer meeting. Cain and Abel. Afterwards, Cain and Abel. What did God tell Cain? He told him, sin is crouching down. It's, sin is ready to devour you. It is at the door. Cain didn't pay, pay attention. What did he do? He killed his brother. Killed his brother. He despised prophecy. Noah's day. You know that, that, that phrase, God never shuts the door without opening a new one? Well, tell that to the people who drown. They didn't listen for hundreds of years when Noah was preaching. They did not listen, and they despised the prophecy in Noah's day. 
the Israelites with Moses. Another example, Numbers chapter 11, even Joshua himself gotten into trouble with this. There were many people who were prophesying amongst God's people, and Joshua himself, got, he was despising. He was like, what's going on, Moses? Why are all these people despising? And Moses was like, what are you, why are you upset? I wish more people would prophesy. Stop it, Joshua. Do not despise prophecy. Miriam and Aaron, Aaron in Numbers chapter 6, how they went to Moses and despised him, the person. Look what happened to, look what happened to Miriam. She was struck with leprosy. Moses was the one who spoke to God face to face, mouth to mouth. He is not like me. He is not like the prophets before him. Only the Lord Jesus Christ surpasses what I, what uh, Moses, because uh, Jesus is God in the flesh. But Moses spoke to the Lord face to face, and that's what he told them in Numbers chapter six. The kings, some of the bad kings, starts with Saul. Saul despised Samuel's prophecy. All the prophets were mostly ignored. Isaiah, the most evangelical of the prophets, as he says, send me, I go. I will go to, to, to your people. And what does the Lord tell him? You're going to harden everyone's heart. They're not going to listen to you. And then they eventually saw him in half. Think about Isaiah, Isaiah 52 and 53, the servant song. Do you not realize the first verse in, in uh, chapter 53, the servant song, which we all love? It's a, glor it's a, it's a glor glorifying image of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. But do you not know in the middle of that he's complaining to God? He says, who has believed our report? Isaiah saw himself as a long line of prophets before him and even after him. Who has believed our report? No one's believing. And this is about the prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jeremiah. This is interesting. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah's day, there were many false prophets all around uh, Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah's day, Jeremiah was he's preaching judgment. There's going to be a captivity. You're going to be there for a long time. But what did the prophets say? Those false prophets say? No, nah, you're not going to be here for a long time. And it sounds good. We probably would have felt for it in that day. Because isn't God all powerful? We're not going to stay here. And it really sounded, and many people were fooled. But Jeremiah said, nope, you might as well get married here. Serve, the, serve here. It's going to be, you're going to be in here for a long time. That was despising prophecy amongst all the prophets were mainly ignored. John the Baptist, beheaded. The one who was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's beheaded. And what about the eschatological prophet, the Lord Jesus? As he comes on the scene, many people are rejecting him, the Pharisees, the leaders. 
And then they, they reject him so much that they crucify him, which is prophesied, which is for our salvation. But even the Lord Jesus Christ was rejected. And then even the apostle Paul, apostles, all the apostles, their ministry uh, were rejected, even amongst uh, God's people. So this is a re common reoccurrence amongst uh, God's people in the scriptures. Now, prophecy, we need to understand, is used differently in the scriptures. Prophecy sometimes means foretelling, predicting. It is a revelation. But obviously, that revelation, new revelation, has ceased. If anybody comes to you saying, I hear the word of the Lord, and here's the word of the Lord, and uh, I predict this is going to happen, not to listen to him. This is why we have scripture. We have the canon of scripture. There is no more new revelation to be predicted. And so those who come and, and say all types of things about new prophecy, they are to be ignored. And so, but in the scriptures, prophecy is used in that sense. The scriptures themselves are called prophecy. First Peter chapter one, I mean, second Peter chapter one, verse 21. I already read that. But the scriptures themselves are called prophecy. But the main way of prophecy now um, that is being delivered amongst the saints in your hearing today. And in all throughout the Lord's days is the prophecy of preaching, bringing forth God's word. Into your hearts, bringing forth God's word. Uh, that is interpreting and applying. And you can check that out in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, and I will uh, talk about that later. Now, the common ways to despise prophecy is rejecting God's word in general. That's the common way to despise prophecy. You read the scriptures and say, I'm not going to do this. I reject it. That's the most common way of despising prophecy. The most common way, maybe, amongst Reformed churches, and even those who call themselves Christians, is rejecting the one who's giving the prophecy. Rejecting the minister or any elder that is giving you the bringing forth God's word. Rejecting that one. That is despising prophecy. Another way is rejecting, and this is definitely amongst the Reformed, those who think themselves smart, we're in a reformed church, so we're all smart. Really? Well, rejecting through proud conceit of their knowledge. What do I mean by that? Oh, I already know this stuff. I listen to R.C. Sproul on the radio. I got Ligonier on my app. I know all this stuff. If you ever get to a point where you think you know everything and you cannot understand, and you cannot be taught, you are sliding into apostasy. You are on your way. Didn't the Pharisees thought that they knew much? They knew it all, and they could not be taught, and therefore they crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. So rejecting through proud conceit of your knowledge. Putting prophets one against one another. That's another way of despising prophecy. I, I can just imagine, even in the Old Testament, this happened. As Jeremiah, you know this Jeremiah, he's long-winded. 
Let's go to Habakkuk. Let's go to Habakkuk. You know, this is a new prophet. Let's go to him. And what is Habakkuk doing? He's complaining to God about God's people, saying that the law is paralyzed. And so it doesn't matter where you go. Pitting one teacher against another teacher, that is despising prophecy itself because you're, you're heaping up teachers after yourself and you're not loving the truth of God's word. It's all about the celebrity Christian or whatever it is that you want. Proud conceit and prophets, um, putting prophets against one another. And then rejecting the true meaning of God's word for allegories, fables, traditions, and speculations. And this is growing increasing more and more as we move on into this redemptive history. Many people are just opening up God's word and just giving a bunch of typology that's not even certified. It's not true typology. It's a bunch of speculation. People open up God's word and saying, hey, you know, this verse right here has such amount of words. You add this verse and that verse, it equals 66. So there's 66 books in the Bible. Things like that. Goofy stuff. And then you ask them, well, you know, what's your hermeneutic of this, these things? Where are you getting these things from? Maybe even in the medieval age, you know, the medieval age, there was a lot of allegories. Did you get it from there? No, this is something I came up with, you know, studying the scriptures. Well, you need to keep your mouth shut. Stop confusing God's people. Stop confusing God's people because God's people, I'm not flattering you, but God's people are diamonds. Multifaceted. They all tell a story. God's people are diamonds. These scriptures that we read are diamonds. And do you really want somebody up here playing marbles with the diamonds of God? This is serious. And we don't need speculation. We need someone to talk about what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of him. That's what we need. Not speculation or fables or allegories. So what do we ought to learn from this first point? Be thankful for the sure word of prophecy. Be so thankful that the word of God continues to go forth un unto this very day. We ought to be thankful every time we read the scriptures because the scriptures do their work. And you ought to believe in Jesus, who is the eschatological prophet. And you ought to believe the whole word of God, all of it, and submit to it. And that is your encouragement. It is, has God failed you at all? You know the word. And so the, knowing the, the word of prophecy and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord will comfort you and continue to have you to persevere until the very end. Because we are going to see many things to come. You think it's bad now. We're going to see more, more horrific things. But guess what? You have the sure word of prophecy within you. And you will overcome. You will overcome. And so, be thankful. But do you know the consequences of quenching the Holy Spirit? Think of his ministry. And we often need to confess. If you have never confessed that you have quenched the Holy Spirit, 
I guarantee you, you have. We need to confess more and more often of quenching the Holy Spirit. We are not obedient as much as we should be. And so we need to uh, confess that more and more often. And Christians must not discourage their ministers or anybody who is giving God's word. They ought to value their preaching. And ministers, they ought to receive double honor. Not half, not some, double honor of bringing God's word unto you. And you need to understand that if you quench the Holy Spirit, you are bearing the first fruits of apostasy. The first fruits of apostasy. You can't continue on rejecting the Holy Spirit. Is that not what uh, Stephen said before he was martyred to those Pharisees? You constantly, you constantly reject the Holy Spirit. And we cannot do that. And, and if we do that, we are sliding into apostasy if we do not repent. And so you must repent if that is you. The second point, Christians quench the Holy Spirit by not exercising discernment and abstaining from evil. What does it say? Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Paul calls the Thessalonians to test everything, including prophecy, including the word being preached. First uh, John chapter four, verse one is a similar, similar um, commandment. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God or from for many false prophets have gone out into the world. So you are to test. And that is what Paul, so Paul is telling the, that this, this church in Thessalonica to do. As they receive prophecy, they must also exercise good judgment about what has been prophesied. And that's exactly what we ought to do today. This word to test means is the same word used for gold and other metals being tried by fire. That's what it means to test. Testing to see if it's real, purifying it more and more. The church was formed amidst of those who despised prophecy. And the Bereans, after, as Paul went to Berea after, what did they do? They test the spirit of what Paul was doing and what, what he was preaching. And they believed and they trusted. And so that's what exactly what we are to do. This is the duty for every single Christian especially as we are sitting in the pews and as we are listening to God's word being expounded. We shouldn't easily reject the authority and faith of the church, but we are not to easily believe with a blind faith or obey with a blind obedience. This is why it's important that we all study the scriptures, not be spoon-fed, but you yourself study the scriptures. Every, every day, as much as you can. And if you need help, the elders are here to help you. There are seasoned Christians who are here to help you. Paul calls the Thessalonians also to hold fast and to abstain from evil. This commandment extends not just from prophecy, but also practice. By the way, as I have said many times, it's not that to show that you truly know something is by your practice. That's the Hebrew way of understanding knowledge. 
You don't know something unless you are actually practicing it. That's, that's this dichotomy of heart, mind, it's just the Hebrew mind does not think like that. And so we must be the ones who practice and abstain from all appearance, all forms of evil. And Paul is going to conclude uh, this epistle with a prayer over this very same thing. And that's, that would be the last sermon that we would see in First Thessalonians, Lord willing, uh, next month. But as for now, Christians, you are Christians can quench the Holy Spirit by not exercising discernment and abstaining from evil. You can know that God loves you. You can know that God loves you and is kind to you if you faithfully and diligently attend the means of grace. You can know that if you study, if you read God's word, if you believe, if you trust. You can know that God loves. I know some, some people don't know that God loves them. And that's a shame. But you can do that by testing the things that are the, are the spirit, by look, listening to good prophecy and trusting in the Lord God. So continue in this. As if this is you that's believing in the prophecy, believing in, in the word, submitting yourself to it, then you are truly blessed. You are blessed among people, and you need to know that. But continue in it. Continue in it. Do not let up. But do you know how to test prophecy? Do you know how to test a sermon? Do you know what is good? Well, let me give you scripturally some helps to, to help you through this. Uh, because many of us will not be here. We're all going to pass away. This church is coming next year on 50 years. And who knows if this church will ever, if this church wants to stay, we got to be a people that know how to test prophecy, to know what is good for God's people. And so first thing that you need to understand is Christ preach. Is Christ preach? And it does not mean saying his name 150 times. That does not mean Christ was preached. What, means, what, what, is, what it means to preach Christ, it means to preach him as the prophet, as the priest, as the king, as you heard this morning. It means to preach his death, his burial, his resurrection, the works of our Lord Jesus Christ, his, his, his deity, his mediation. That's what it means to preach Christ. It's not just saying his name. And so that that that's just number one. Number two, does it upbuild? Does it strengthen the people of the Lord? First Corinthians chapter 14, verse three, it says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speak to people for their upbuilding, upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Does it upbuild? And it doesn't mean just, you know, flattering people. Sometimes we need to be corrected. And that, but that's what actually upbuilds a church and gets you strengthened for the things that are to come. Are the scriptures uh, being preached according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17? All scripture, this is the point of scripture, 
All scripture is breathed out. It's God breathed. Paul coined that term, by the way. It's God breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And so if it needs to have those elements, correction, reproof, and training, encouraging, that is one of the things that we are to be looking for. And is it according to apostolic tradition? Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, Lord willing, this will be uh, exhorted uh, here. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. We got so many traditions. The soles on my feet are worn down by hearing so many traditions. And we like to force traditions upon God's people and even upon our ministers. But what we need to be looking for is the apostolic tradition that was handed us by us by the apostles. And so if it, if it heeds to the apostolic tradition, that is a good teaching. And is there application? Is the word being applied? Are there, are there directives given? Or is it just a bunch of information and then you all go home? There needs to be some correction and application and experiential. Things that we all go through and experience. It needs to be experiential. And also we are to pay attention to the, to the uh, minister or pastor's or preacher's conduct as well. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 20, beware of false prophets. There are many ways that can be, they can be heretics. You can be a doctrinal heretic or you can be a moral heretic. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by what? Their fruits. Are grapes gathered among thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. And so pay attention to the life of, a, of all your elders, deacons, and ministers. We don't need false prophets leading the sheep. And then finally, recognize the severity of rejecting and despising prophecy. Recognize the severity of quenching the Holy Spirit. Let's bring this home. Hell is a real place. It's more real than the pulpits that you're sitting in. It's more real than the clothing that you are wearing. There are many people that you have come across, your hands have shaken them, shaken their hands. People you have kissed, people you have loved, people you have hugged. You laugh with them, you ate with them, and they despised prophecy. And they have gone and never repented, 
and been sent to the hellfire forever. Well, the first hell. Then the second hell is when they are resurrected and they meet Jesus face to face and they are thrown into the everlasting lake of fire. That's how real this is. And that's how serious this is. And we are to understand the severity of all these things. And if you ever get to a point where you are rejecting prophecy, if you ever get to a point where you will never repent, you never repent of rejecting prophecy. You never repent of of submitting yourself to the, not submitting yourself to the scriptures. Then you will join them. That's how serious this is. I only tell you this because I love each and every one of you. And I don't want any one of us to be in the hellfire forever. And so if we want to believe and we want to experience the blessedness of the Lord, then confess of times that we have rejected the Holy Spirit. Confess the times we have uh, rejected prophecy and repent. And isn't the Lord more the first attribute that's revealed to Moses in Exodus 34 is merciful. God is merciful. He will meet you there and he will lift you up and he will encourage you. He will pardon your sins because your sins is not the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's only it is quenching the Holy Spirit. It's not the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So he will give forgiveness unto you and he will show you and, and give you eternal life. And so all those who have never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who continue to despise prophecy, who continue to reject the ministers, repent now. Repent now and trust in the Lord, who is the one who died, who is the one who is risen, and who is the one who is ascended. And for all of us who are still trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, be watchful, be watchful over each other, and beware of not quenching the Holy Spirit and despising prophecy. That's the message for today. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for this, this important matter, Lord.